You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan and Super excited to tell you that we are expanding spits and suds. We want to bring all the news, all the information, our opinion on Dallas Stars hockey to you, the Stars fan. You've been saying, why can't we get more hockey talk? Now we're giving you more hockey talk on the fan. And personally excited about this addition to spits and suds, Sean Shapiro. So I've been reading Sean since his days at NHL.com, The Athletic, and Sean, you can give more of your resume, but I'm super excited to be teaming up with you this year. So we're going to do a couple of days a week with Sean, and and then we'll do a week with uh, Craig. So super excited about the Spits and Suds podcast future. Yeah, I'm excited. It's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing it this year. I think you and I may have kicked around, and you, you talk about kind of the lineage of this coming together. You and I have talked about talking hockey more formally probably at spots and times in the past four or five years and everything yeah. like that. And obviously uh, took a little nudging from some other outside sources in the world for an opportunity, but I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'm excited. Um, I'm looking forward to, for anyone, for stars fans out there, I'm excited to have a spot to, to talk stars hockey on a twice weekly basis with you. I'm excited to be able to kind of, to, to do this, to have some regularity to this. And I, I think we can, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun with this and it's, it's a fun team right now. It's a team that's going through an interesting time. It's I, I think this is going to be cool for us. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, let's let's go back before we move forward. What did you think of the Pete DeBoer hire, and what have you thought of mm-hmm. the system so far? Yeah, I, I thought the I, I liked the I thought the Pete DeBoer hire was good. Um, I'll be honest, from the beginning when they hired Pete, it's not one of those. It wasn't outside the box it wasn't what you would call a home run hire but it was kind of one of those things where off the bat I'm like okay that's a solid that's a solid hire that's a hire where you know what to expect with Pete you know some you bring in someone in who knows how to manage an NHL bench has had success and uh wasn't someone who you're like oh wow this is breaking the mold or you're bringing in someone who is like this is one of the top five in the world at, at his job but a solid hire and not not a bad thing. If you could have a solid hire, it's better than than the bad hire. And so, to me, Pete has actually come in, and I've actually been impressed with how he's been able to open things up a little bit more than I expected. I, I thought I thought even with the I thought with the construction of this lineup and this roster, I thought in general you might still see it might take a little bit longer for things to open up just because. Well, Mason Marchment comes in and obviously adds a great offensive weapon. Um, and why Johnson comes in and, and you bring some other guys. It's still a roster that still has a lot of construction elements that Jim Nil built from 
a Rick bonus type team. And so the fact that Pete has gotten kind of a hybrid roster that is still between that is kind of still in that spot between being what Jim would bill for Pete and what Jim would bill for Rick bonus and Jim Montgomery. The fact he's getting them to play that style rather quickly, that's been the most impressive thing to me. And that's the mark of a good coach where if you can find a way to get your pieces to fit what you want to do, but not overly force it. So it went from solid to good for me in my mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and two of those solid components that make up that team, Jake Ottinger and Miro Haskinen. And we've had two scares early in, in this season and, Happy to report that as of right now, Miro is on the ice and Jake Ottinger is not on the ice. But wow, you talk about, you know, if you listed, you know, who on the stars you couldn't lose for a period of games, those two certainly, I mean, they might be one and two right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's obviously it's not rocket science to say the Dallas Stars are a much better team with Jake Ottinger and Miro Heishkinen on the ice, but the Miro injury and the Ottinger injury, the two things about those is two of the moves Jim Nill made this past summer were directly made in in concert with realizing how much it was time for those guys to step up and take the next step. Um, one of the reasons John Klingberg, they, they let John Klingberg walk was kind of a, an addition by subtraction thought where John Klingberg goes away. All of a sudden, Miro can now be the number one power play guy. We no longer have any question of who's number one in all categories. And that's great. And I think Miro was handling that job well. But then when Miro gets hurt, all of a sudden it starts to become a question of, well, how do you fill? How do you fill in this spot? We don't have that. We don't have John Klingberg anymore to to help fill in that spot. And then the same thing goes with, uh, with Jake Ottinger. Obviously, Jake's having a tremendous start to the season. Jake's last 10, 15 games through the end of the Calgary through that Calgary series have been. He's been one of the best goalies in the world, and that's not even hyperbolic to say that. It's just true, and that's why. And then now you have. You bring you bring in Scott Wedgwood to be a backup, a guy who knows how to be a backup, and kind of because, and now you wonder is is if if you have to run with Wedgwood for a little bit, is that going to work? Is that not going to work? It's it's very, I'll, I'll use the word dicey, kind of where the two spots where Jim was like, okay, I don't need to make contingency plans because of these guys are the two guys that got, of course, are are out right away. So it's it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna test test the team on on various levels but the the especially on the back end i mean we saw that saturday game against the rangers where the the 6-3 uh letting up six goals that's not a 6-3 loss with ottinger all game yeah. and miro hishkin in from the beginning yeah yeah it, you're right about miro takes up so much ice time and and that's mm-hmm. one of the things one of the components that you know doesn't show up on the daily sheet i mean you know you can look yeah. at it certainly but time on ice and I mean, he just eats minutes. So, you know, you're bringing guys and putting guys in different positions. And that kind of leads me to if there if there's a flaw of this Stars team that they didn't start the season this way, but, you know, we're heading in a direction of a penalty-ridden team. And when we talk on time on ice, it's just so tough. It does two things. One, you're shorthanded. But two, you just can't gain those momentums on lines because different people have to play in different places. Yeah, the penalties are, it's... That's that's something where I've always been I, I don't know what the right answer is on penalties because in general it's one thing to just talk about like oh it's an undisciplined team the the coach they get that's because of the coaching and a lot of times though it's 
with how many head coaches this team has gone through, and obviously they're now taking penalties at a more incremental rate than they have in the past, but the Stars have always been a team that seems to be a little less disciplined than 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 ideal than they would ideology be. And I've always wondered if that goes back to, and this is not, and this will sound like a bit of a criticism, and maybe it is, but I look at this where I wonder how much of this goes back to a player and, and a leadership group where I don't know if that's the thing they talk about. And so I want to, I want to lay this out to people before anyone jumps on and says, Oh, you're yelling at leadership for not being good captains. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we know, and we've heard so many times where so much of the stars leadership group is lead by example type guys lead by like Jamie Ben is a lead by example guy. He's a guy who doesn't speak much, but when he does guys, listen, uh, Joe Pavelski is someone who does speak a little bit more, but is also a lead by example guy. So is Essel Lindell. So is Miro Heshkin and uh, Sagan, even to that extent, they're all very much the lead by example guy. And I wonder just if you see when you have so many guys who lead by example, I wonder if this is the space where you need, um, like in the past, they used to have a Blake Como as part of this leadership group. And Blake Como was very much the vocal, I'm going to grab guys' attention on the bench in the locker room. And I wonder if this is a spot where the star's leadership needs to be a little more vocal about it of like, hey, guys, we got to be smarter about this. Yeah. We've got to be more disciplined. And I wonder, and, and to me, I wonder if the solution to that is the player leadership group tackling this issue on their own without the coaches because there's only so much a coach can do in this spot and so to me and as i said i want to be clear i'm not ripping on the leadership group for being bad leaders the team is winning games and everything like that but this is a space where i think it's there's more control for jamie ben and tyler sagan and joe pavelski to help eliminate the overall penalties than there is for pete DeBoer. yeah yeah i don't i don't mind a colin miller sticking up for his yeah. uh, teammate like he did on the road you know yep. i that that's fine. I mean, new guy, yeah. new room. You know, you know that 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 that's great. Um, I I think the ones that worry me are the off the play, behind the play. Um, yeah. you know, players are going to get tripped. That that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, sticks yeah. go everywhere. It's just it's just the 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 needless penalties, so to speak, where it's like you know that had nothing to do with the play. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, there, and there's good and like just like turnovers in hockey, right? There's good and bad penalties yeah. and good and bad turnovers, like. The fact like Miro is going to take, it, it actually shows how good Miro is, the fact he doesn't take more, but the amount of stick work Miro does to break up little plays all over the place and the amount of trips and slashes Miro doesn't get because how effective he is, is, is amazing. But he's going to get the occasional slash or trip because every once in a while he's going to miss. And that's the type of penalty you'll live with. It's the interference behind the play. It's the, it's the one where you got a guy... Uh, basically water skiing through the neutral zone because he lost his guy on a hook. Like those are the ones where it becomes, okay, guys, we got to figure this out. So, you know, with your experience in the NHL, I'm kind of fascinated by this. And I, let's give a Cowboys example. The Cowboys drafted Tyron Smith. The very next pick was JJ Watt. It's not a knock on Miro Haskinen, but we do have a player that was drafted after him in Kale McCarr. When you look yeah. back at that draft, because we have two injured players right now, however, you know, yeah. it would be an interesting, would you take Miro and Jake over Kale McCarr? You know what I'm saying? Like as far as a yes, two for yeah, one, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you know, I try to tell stars fans, like I don't hate the Miro pick. I just think Kale McCarr is a once in a lifetime. Maybe. I mean, the last time we kind of saw this was maybe Bobby Orr, Ray Bork. 
you know, like, I mean, that's so. Yeah. I, I, I would offer, I would offer two thoughts on this. Uh, the first being, I think it's Kale McCarr is, hasn't had an amazing career. And obviously I'm not, I'm not an idiot, idiot. He's one of, one of the best players in the world right now. Um, the one thing I will caution is let's not get caught up over. This is the entirety of their career because we will see it'll be interesting to see what happens when Miro as Miro continues to get better offensively. And so that that's the one piece of question I would is to not kind of isolate their all careers into this at point, just think about long-term as well. But the other thing that I go back to, and this is the, the biggest thing for me, you cannot be unhappy with the Miro Heishkinen pick nope. because, 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 because if you are going to do a redraft and people are always like, Oh, well they missed on this guy or that guy. Like, Everyone who wants to give the Stars credit for drafting Jamie Benn in the fifth round, if the Stars knew what Jamie Benn was going to be, he would not have been available in the fifth round then. Jamie Benn would have been, <laughs> Jamie Benn would have gone in the in the top five picks. And so if you're going to be like, oh, they should have taken Miro versus McCart, this if you do a redraft, the Stars, you, you have to give everyone another chance. Like, and, and if you start to play that game, all of a sudden the Stars end up with neither of them. Just, just to be completely, like, yeah. you go through, okay, like, if you redraft the 2017 draft, Kill McCarr goes number one, Miro goes number no, Miro goes number two, and, and maybe Miro goes number three, depending on your view of him versus Elias Pettersson. But yep. either either way, you got value and you got a superstar at his position with the number three pick. I, anyone who is, um, anyone who is uh, upset about having Miro Heishkin and needs to really check what they really needs to really check and think about what they have. Uh, because the other, the other element too, about stylistically and how things go, I don't know. And this is, this is another part where sometimes people forget about circumstance. I don't know if Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr at this point in Dallas. Maybe he, maybe he is playing under this system with Pete DeBoer. But if you look at the, how the stars coaches have, have ran their teams that Miro's played under. And we talked about John Klingberg before. John Klingberg was the number one power play guy. Those teams and and those coaches trusted their number one guy. Kale McCarr wasn't going to be, wasn't going to get just be given the number one power play spot. There wasn't, he wasn't coming into a team that was built and needed that number one D right away from the offensive side. And so McCarr stepped into the absolute best possible situation with him in Colorado. And I don't, he would not have had that situation in Dallas. Obviously he's a tremendous skater, tremendous talent and, and would be great wherever he is, but I don't think he's winning the Norris trophy and the con Smythe if he's taken by Dallas at number three, frankly. Um, I think that's an important perspective. The, at the end of the day, and this, I say this as a hockey fan, it's it's awesome that they're in the same division. I know people, it's Dallas fans may be a little upset they have to see Camel Car as many times as they do here, but it's awesome to see those two guys on the ice. It's going to be awesome to see Kale McCarr and Miro Hishkin go head to head for 25, 26 minutes a night for the next six, seven years. Like that's awesome. And yeah. we all win as hockey fans. But and and also don't ever be upset about having Miro Hishkin. And that that's the other that's the other key takeaway here. <laughs> well, I mean, Craig and I did say last year that we would like to see him get to the next level. And prior yes. to the injury, he was taking it to the next level. So I mean oh, yeah, that's that's what you yeah. want to see on all your you know high yeah. profile yeah, he was. athletes. Yeah. yeah. He 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 was. He uh, he was. And he is also adjusting to he is adjusting to 
Miro's got a different trajectory than the typical young defenseman. Um, the most young defensemen you see, they come in with that offensive pop first, and then they add and refine the defensive elements. And so that's actually what we see with Makar right now. Obviously, he's dominating games offensively and with his skating and everything like that, but he is still needs to get better in certain defensive elements of the game. Miro was on the other side of that spectrum where Miro came in and there's plays and the way he plays defensively, you'd be like, that's stuff you don't learn as a 19 year old. Those are things that it takes five, six years in this league to, to just learn on a consistent basis. And Miro kind of came down the different side of the mountain that, that McCarr did. And so it'll be very interesting to see as they both kind of add to those two elements. I think McCarr is always going to have more points. That's just going to be a natural thing, but in the long run, as they both add in the elements where the other ones, where they they both add in the elements where the other one maybe lacks a little bit, it'd be interesting to see these two side by side five, six years from now. And, it, and it's just going to be fun to, to watch, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that new voice you're hearing on Spits and Suds is Sean Shapiro, formerly of NHL.com, formerly of The Athletic. We're so excited to have him here at uh, Spits and Suds. Now, Sean, you also write for D Magazine. You did a deep dive into Dennis Gurianov. And I'm fascinated with the Gurionov story, how it relates to Valery Nichushkin, because a lot of people have now seen Valery Nichushkin, what he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs, what he did in the Stanley Cup, and his fast start with the Avalanche. Uh, I say this, Valery Nichushkin has come out and said, I wasn't the same person. You know, I had to grow up and getting waved, obviously, you know, was part of that maturation process. So I think it has to do, I don't indict the stars for this. I blame the player just as much. I mean, they ultimately drafted him, so they have to take the blame. But I, I, I look at Dennis Gurionov and the healthy scratch, and then I look at his play on the ice since then, and I know it has not accounted for on the score sheet. But he is flying around. I definitely want to see those points go up, but... Sean, there's something here. I mean, you know, I hope that they can get it out of Dennis before he leaves. But tell me about your piece and yeah. wh- how, you, how you saw the development of Dennis Gurionov and what people are saying. Yeah, when I, when, I, when I look at Dennis Gurionov, one of the biggest things for me is he has every raw tool you would ever put into an NHL player. Like I've, I've made this reference before. He's the video game player. Like if you're like playing like NHL 22 or 23 or whatever, whatever year it is, and and you're doing a create a player and you're doing the sliders over the speed, the shot, like he has all of those raw tools, everything. He has it all. And then it's just the, the level that Dennis has not been able to really maintain is both the consistency and just the innate hockey IQ. And this is not for a lack of learning. I know I've, I've spoken to many people who have been around De- Denny and, and, and coached him and everything like that. And he wants to learn. He's someone who is, he's talking, he talks to his, uh, he asks coaches what I should be doing here, what I should do there. But but sometimes the lessons don't take right away. They don't see it in action right away. And this has happened with multiple coaches. And that's something where there are certain innate abilities that, can and can't be learned like for for example like on physical attributes alone joe pavelski should not still be in the nhl at 38 joe pavelski though is still in the nhl for the innate ability to know is joe pavelski ever ever in the wrong spot on the ice no and 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 that's something that can be learned slightly but there is a god-given innate ability to that that i don't know if denny has that doesn't mean he can't be a successful 
and, 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 and viable NHL player. To me, and this is something where I think the stars need to figure kind of, I would love to see someone experiment with this on the star for the stars, because I think right now too much is attached to Gurionov and he must get goals. He must get points. And I think that is probably, and I've seen that happen to many young players who guys who have been goal scorers and things like that, who, and they haven't gotten the points and the confidence starts to erode everywhere else. And so I think the scratch kind of motivates him a little bit, but as the longer he goes without putting a puck in the net, the confidence continues to go. I would love to see a coach. And obviously it's Pete DeBoer right now. I would love to see a coach try Gurionov on the penalty kill that, that, that I think would be a space where, and not as the, uh, and not as a guy who takes faceoffs on the penalty kill, like how many times Gavin, do you look and the stars on the penalty kill and you know what, they'll have Foxa and Pavelski on the ice for the draw for, yep. for the defensive and Foxa wins the draw goes back to Miro Foxa jumps off the ice right away. Another guy on fresh legs. I would love to see Denny kind of as that gunner to use a football term to be kind of be that gunner as the first guy on the off on the penalty kill, like, Hey, we want to draw you're coming on because we want you gunning right down on the four check. We want you making life miserable. You have so much speed. You have so much, you, you can run around a little more chaotically in this situation. And I, I wonder if you gave Denny that type of responsibility and you put him in a spot where, Hey, you can be a viable, important part of the team on this element. And obviously the stars take so many penalties. There's definitely many chances to try it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, Try that with him and see if maybe that rounds his game out more and also takes away a little bit of that pressure of you have to score to be an important piece of this team. I, I, I would love to see a coach try that. That that would be that would be my plea and outside the box idea with Gariana, where like, let's see if we can use this speed and we can use this energy on the penalty kill and see if it can unlock some other things. It's kind of one of those weird things where like you talk about like, Hey, let's do something defensively that maybe unlocks on the other side. It's kind of that concept. And I, hopefully I really hope something happens and they figure something out with Gary because the other thing working against him is it's not just him figuring it out. It's him figuring it out and being worth $2.9 million against the salary cap, because Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the big issue. He'll be a restricted free agent next summer. His qualifying offer is 2.9 million. So you have he has to find a solution where he's worth taking nearly three million dollars against the cap, and I hope he figures something out, and I hope they do it. And it's the, the tools are there. It's and and if it doesn't work, I also want to say it's not going to be indictment against the stars because at the end of the day, while everyone looks at Val Nichushkin having a great career with Colorado, they bought out Val Nichushkin to sign Joe Pavelski. Just mm. think about that. So great point. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great point. We didn't bring up. Yeah, now would you say you took that three million? The, the I know he does a lot of little things on the ice, but that Radic Fox a contract at just yeah, over three million bugs me too. That's that's a rough one. Yeah. That's one where I think I think the Fox a contract is one where I think if not for COVID and the flattening of the salary cap, I think we'd be okay with yeah. Radic making three point three point two five. I believe it is with without him making with him making three point two five. But with what happened without the salary cap going up, that one starts to hurt because that's the space where he does a lot of good things, a lot of a lot of things, but he's not. It's not what you pay three point two five million against your salary cap for, and that that to me is that's that's one where if you could. Hindsight being 2020, if you're Dallas, you would definitely think hard about about that salary there. 
Now, I wouldn't do it. I'm not suggesting I do it, but getting back to Gurianov, I mean, because I'd be crazy to break up Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz. However, when Hintz was teamed with Gurianov, I just felt like that was a lot of speed. I saw great stretch passes. You know, those two had something going last year for a little bit. Yeah, they did. And I I think the one question is, and because you don't want to take – you don't want to take up take away Robertson and Pavelski from from Hintz. I, I think one of the when Gurianov and Hintz are at their best, it's when they have a uh, a player like Pavelski in the middle, a guy who can be kind of that. Like you got you got two fighter jets, right? And but you kind of need the you kind of need the the aircraft carrier that's going to direct things and 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 put puts you in the right place to launch and all of that stuff. Like you need someone who is going to be both reliable defensively and uh and is it can kind of set the set the stage for them to take off and so the the issue becomes i you don't want to take you say like okay what's the ideal line for dennis garyon if you're like oh let's put him with pavelski and hints but then all of a sudden you start to be like okay well where do we put jason roberts it's it's definitely it's definitely a fascinating question to figure out um I think you need, I think ideally, and, and Sagan has been better this year. Ideally, a player like Sagan um, could be that guy that kind of helps Gurianov take off a bit more and everything like that. And he's been a little bit more of that guy, but I honestly think the ideal center for Gurianov would be Pavelski, but you're obviously not going to break up that that top line. Now, we talk about Joe Pavelski. I did want to tell Stars fans, you know, sometimes teams come into the AAC and it's like, okay, well, it's the LA Kings. If you love Joe Pavelski, Anse Kopitar is that and more. I mean, he is such a great player and he just doesn't get credit because he plays in LA. But I mean, you know, that's a special player. I always try to find those hidden gems of these teams that come in and, and, you know, tell Stars fans like, you know, I promise you, if you go watch this player special, the market just isn't there as far as like, you know, Anse Kopitar. But I mean, just like Joe Pavelski getting it done, nine points in his first 10 games again, as those two are just ageless wonders in the NHL. Yeah, Anze Kopitar, formerly the most famous athlete from Slovenia. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's a hell of a player. He's someone who you look at that Kings, I mean, I'll use the word dynasty because you win, you win two cups in the cap era. It's the equivalent of a dynasty. Now it's just, it's, that's the level of what the word dynasty needs to be changed because of the cap era, but he's such a staple there. And I saw LA play. Let's see, this was about a week ago. They came through Detroit and I saw them in person then. And he is still Kopitar is still the driver of everything on that team. And he's the guy who you have a Kings team that is on that kind of trajectory path where last year they made the playoffs and it was completely unexpected, but they've got the byfields of the air world, the Gabe, the Gabe byfield, Velarde, Anderson Dolan. They've got this group of young players that are on the way up and Kopitar is still leading that group and is going to be a key piece. And I don't know about, I don't think this year, but if if he continues to be that guy who who he has, and I don't see him slowing down. He's just like Pavelski and his off ice regimen and how he approaches the game. Like in two years, you could see a spot where two seasons you could see a spot where you're talking about the Kings and this young core, and you're like, okay, this is going to be the spot where there's going to be one more chance for Kopitar to maybe get a third cup. And I, he's he's that good and will still be a key contributor at that point. 
And those that's the type of guy you want to basically usher in a rebuild, right? Because you have teams in the NHL that tank and you have teams that rebuild and the Kings basically decided to go through the act of rebuild and letting him basically continue to be almost that coach on the ice that leads them. And, and he's one of those, uh, he's like an ISO cam guy, right? Like you go to yeah. watch a game and you pick, like, I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick one guy to watch when it, like, he's an ISO cam guy. He's a guy like that, where with Dallas, you're like, I want to watch Miro every shift and, and yeah. all of those things. That's what, that's what Kopitar is. Plus that signature of that shade advisor special. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Before before yeah. we end today on Thursday, the Stars take on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, you covered the National Hockey League. Um, I know a lot of people are making jokes about it. I personally think the NHL needs to stay in Phoenix. I think it's an emerging market. They just need to get an arena. Uh, what's your sense as far as the direction? Now they have solid ownership. You think they can get a deal done to stay in Arizona? I think they will get a deal done to stay in Arizona. And I don't think it's even a reflection of the ownership. I think it's frankly a reflection of Gary Bettman has shown us multiple times that he is so dedicated to the Arizona market. He's it's the, the Phoenix, the Phoenix, the Phoenix market is one that is a, you may know the answer better than me on this, Gavin, but I yep. believe it's now technically a top 10 media yeah, market in the United yeah, States. Absolutely. Still. Like, and growing. Like, and, exactly. And it's, and it's and it's a, it's a space and a market where as much as you want to make jokes about the coyotes and they play in a 5000 seat arena when the NHL is negotiating those massive TV deals for the NHL with ESPN and Turner part of it includes these stipulations where you need to be in these top 10 media markets and it's and it's the space where to if anyone if we have any Quebec City listeners I'm sorry to burst your bubble right now the NHL will never go back to Quebec City because ESPN and Turner don't care about Quebec City. Mm-hmm. Just to be, just to be, just to be completely honest about it, and and so for the dedication the Coyotes have gotten to Arizona from Gary Bettman, that tells me that they're never leaving. Um, they're never leaving Arizona. The what Gary wants to happen will happen, and even if Gary was to step away. The follow Bill Daly would replace him, and Bill Daly and Gary are in lockstep on this. So the the coyote obviously the arena situation is frustrating. Where where it was working, Glendale wasn't working, um, but it's it's frustrating to see that size and, and and where they are. And then the other reason, just from a financial standpoint, where in addition to the market size, why you won't see the Arizona Coyotes leaving is there's a huge. Um, and and we'll see this in Texas soon too. Eventually sports betting is obviously a huge revenue driver for sports leagues now. And in Arizona uh, teams are going to be able to be the licensed carriers. And so you talk about an additional hockey related revenue. Oof. If you can, if you have a gambling license, yeah. if you have a gambling license, like the coyotes will be able to have in Arizona, that's a, that's a huge thing. So it's just fundamentally the coyotes aren't leaving and it's, it's okay to laugh. Like it's okay to laugh at the 5,000 person arena. It's okay to laugh at it. I actually think the atmosphere there will actually be kind of fun for a size, but it's, it's just, it's just a bummer that there hasn't been, there wasn't a solution to get them into a real NHL arena quicker. That that's just kind of the most frustrating thing. The other thing I will say, and I know like everyone was laughing about the temporary locker room and, and as, as funny as that temporary locker room looked, it was actually bigger than the visiting locker room at AAC. The, the AAC <laughs> visit the, the, the if you're if you're a visiting team for NBA or NHL and you come through American Airlines Center, the visiting room is, is it's cozy. So um, 
there's some teams where if you go to uh if you go to uh if, if you go to arizona there's space is uh space could be more valuable than having a than, than space could be more valuable than technically having a roof that's only 10 feet high yeah absolutely and <laughs> for those that laugh you Previously, we're laughing at the Ottawa Senators, and they're getting pretty good right now. And I would say Bill Armstrong's a pretty good GM in Arizona, and he's making some interesting deals. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see the Coyotes' future. That Central Division is going to be brutal. Um, yeah, it is. You know, it's and just and, and it's Ottawa it, does need need a new arena too, though. But that's, yeah. that's a whole other issue. <laughs> and, and you know, not to go off because I mean we're wrapping up yeah. here, but I mean yeah. you look at what's what's common in these situations: Ottawa outside the city. Arizona. I mean, if you were in Scottsdale, it would take you 45 minutes to an hour to get to Glendale for a Tuesday game. It's just not going to happen. And so you look at these arenas and it's similar to the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, they're not actually in Tampa in baseball. And so you have to go over a two lane bridge. That's tough to do. So, I mean, I, I understand that these markets, you know, I mean, winning cures everything, but at the same time, you know, people have to kind of understand the landscape where we're pretty fortunate to have uh, a, a nice arena like the AAC in downtown Dallas. Yeah, and, and, and the the Coyotes, other space too, and, and if you're a Dallas fan, as much you should want the Coyotes to succeed because you want – the NHL to continue realizing and investing in these so-called Sunbelt or non-traditional mm-hmm. market or whatever you want the NHL to continue to grow in that area. Um, it's that, that to me is something that, that you should, should be actively rooting for. Hockey's a great sport. You want more people to be involved with it. And by having the coyote, the coyotes actually to their credit have done a really good job in the community. There's been a pretty good youth hockey community that's grown up there and everything like that. And it's just, it hasn't really translated to people in seats because of where they were and and the arena location and everything like that. So Arizona, you want, you don't want to see the NHL punt on that. You don't want the NHL to punt on a top 10 market. Um, If, uh, if if anything, it's uh, if if anything, it's 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 better for Dallas with Arizona staying in the NHL. If anything, and that's the bottom line for our stars listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Sean, you are a beast. Super excited to be doing this podcast with you, my friend. Well, it's fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun with this, and yeah. it's gonna be. Uh, I, I think we're gonna. It's gonna be fun to have these conversations regularly too. I think that's something to, uh, everyone here should be excited about. No, I agree. We're expanding hockey talk in Dallas Fort Worth, and that's what it's all about. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Thanks for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan.